0: Music. This is The Franchise, Jeremy Vilmer, and you're listening to Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze. Here is the star of the show, Bobby Blaze. Hey, thanks.
1: The Franchise, on The Franchise Podcast. Thank you, man. I'm going to tell you what else is dead, and I don't fucking feel so goddamn well myself. But I hey, asked just an old, uh... Oh, you know, whatever. It's just one of those things. I'm glad to be here for all these fans, man. I'm glad to be on the podcast. I'm glad to have the franchise here with me. And this week we're recording episode six from beautiful downtown L.A. And that's not Los Angeles. That's rainy fucking Lower Ashland. But anyway, we're coming to you. Episode six, the top ten greatest that should have been champions that never were the champ. That's what our topic is going to be today, Jeremy. And with that said, how about a couple of shout-outs, my friend?
0: Sure thing. You got one you want to start with, or do you want me to start?
1: No, I want you to start you with good it. reason.
0: All right. Well, I'm going to go with this one. This week, uh, you know, guys, we're still trying to get reviews on iTunes and ratings. This week, we got one from uh, Breacher71 is the name he's using. And he says, gentlemen, great show so far, and expect nothing less each week. Not only is wrestling talked about, but everything else as well. Bobby's behind-the-curtain stories so far. Keep the listeners interested each time. Please keep those stories coming each week. The guys even gave a special section on suicide and the help that is out there. These guys know how to put on a show, so Breacher71, a big shout-out to you. Thank you for chiming in. Thank you for letting us know what you like about the show. Hit me up again uh, on Twitter or something so I know who you are so I can you know keep an eye on you. Bobby, yes. with that one. I'm going to throw it to you.
1: Well, I was just going to say, you know what? I read that you sent that to me. I went back on iTunes and looked at it. Uh, Breacher71 hit us up on Twitter at the Geekish Cast or at Bobby Blaze744 or at Bell uh, to Bell Blaze on Twitter, so we we'll know who you are, man. But yeah, that's a great shout out. I think that's a, a well-deserved shout out. Did you have any other ones by chance? Because I have one special one going out as well. And we appreciate all reviews on iTunes and all feedback on Twitter. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you know what, Bobby? I'm actually going to keep it to that one for this week. There, there are okay. a couple others I'm banking for another episode.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and just give this one right now a shout-out, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the person I'm giving a shout-out to is the geekish cast, Jeremy Vilmer. Without him, folks, this fucking show doesn't work. Without the franchise being here, man, this guy, he knows it all. So here's the deal. I'm giving him a shout-out, and the way this podcast works, As he come to me, we spoke about this. it has been in the works for several months. And, man, I can't thank you enough, Jeremy. And here's the deal, folks. What I'd like you to do... When I give a shout out to Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. And again, that's on Twitter. You'd hit me up at Bobby Blaze 744 or hit our Bell to Bell Blaze podcast. Now, here, let me just say this. What I'd like you to do with all the WCW debauchery behind us, with that fucking dollar that I owed them, with the $4 fucking interest and all that. Go fuck yourself, WCW, because I don't need your checks. You don't need my fucking dollar. But here's what I like to preach to you, so listen to me holler. All right, so here's a deal. I want someone out there to get us a GoFund or a Crowdfund or whatever, however the fuck it works, because Jeremy's been carrying this thing out of his own pocket and we need a hosting fee. And that's about twenty bucks a month. So here's a deal, man. Let's get us a GoFund. Let's try to raise about three hundred and fifty dollars. I don't want bobby blaze don't want a dime out of it. I want this money to go to the Geekish Fund, the Geekish uh, Cash Fund, the Jeremy Vilmer Fund, however you need to set it up. I'll promote the fuck out of it on Twitter or whatever. Here's, man, Here's the thing, I'm not here begging for fucking money, Not like it. It's not like I'm fucking asking you to fucking pay for a meal for fucking Sarah Sanders or something, god damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, someone buy her a fucking happy meal or something to get that it might take that fucking look off her face. I don't know. But I'm not gonna go all fucking nuts and political and crazy and say, oh, you know, fucking donate to the Sarah Sandals fucking uh sandwich fund. But hey, you know what? Send us a fucking dollar or two. Send us something over to a GoFund or a Crowdfund Me. Send it to Jeremy. Um, you know, just do something like that to help off cost our um fees for hosting. And, and with that let me just say this you know what I'm gonna send it back to Jeremy because he has a couple of URLs if you if you do if someone does a crowdfunding and sits it up Jeremy here's a deal mm-hmm. I'll send them a book I'll send them t-shirts I'll send them something worth their 5 10 20 15 dollars but if you send me five dollars I'm not fucking. I'm not sending you a fucking big Mac or something okay uh, because the books cost 15. The co-hosting costs twenty bucks. Send us fifteen or twenty bucks. I'll throw in a T-shirt. I'll throw in a book. I will make it worth your while. If it's five or ten dollars, that's fine. I'll send an eight by ten, personally autographed, personalized to you. Okay, that's the thing. So we'll take anything, uh, fifty cent to a dollar to, to ten dollars or whatever it costs. But let's get this thing up and going. And if you have a patron, I think Jeremy, you know a little bit about that. Maybe someone can fucking set us up. On a Patreon account, send a fucking dollar each week or each month or however the hell that shit works. Because I don't know, again, um, let me just say, this, Jeremy, there's some tiny URLs out there. Tell them where they can get my book at or books, and and, and we'll work something out with you guys. Because we want to bring you this podcast. And, Jeremy, my shout-out is to you because you're the one each week that's fucking recording. You're adding. You're setting up. You're taking your time. And, man, I'm telling you, dudes. Girls, guys, whoever's listening with a 10-inch dick or a 10-inch cunt, it don't matter to me. It's all the the same, and that is this. Help us out. Help a brother out. We're not here bumming, begging. We're not peddling the street. We're not asking you to fucking do anything other than support your local indie wrestler and your indie podcast business, and that's blaze to blaze, bell to bell with blaze, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, the Geekish Cast, Bobby Blaze 744. Someone set us up, hook us up so we can do that. That's my shout-out, Jeremy, because i got a fucking rant I'm go on.
0: First off, I'm I, this never happens. I'm a little speechless. I uh, didn't expect that. Bobby, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. That was very nice of you. Jeremy um, never knows what I'm
1: going to say, by the way, folks. He yeah. never fucking knows. So my shout-out is to Jeremy at the Geekish Cast there.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Since uh, You brought up Patreon, and you and I have talked about it a little bit, but neither one of us really know how to use it that well. I was thinking the other day, and I can't remember if you and I discussed it, maybe for a dollar a month, you get an, you get access to our unedited episodes a week God. early. Like, as soon as we're done recording, I, I'd have to set it up and figure out how to do it. But, guys, you'd get the 30 or 40 minutes of me and Bobby planning shit out ahead of time. All the shit we talk <laughs>
1: Hey, babe, we ain't playing a shit. We're at forty-two minutes on a fucking uh, thing, and uh, we've been recording like fifteen of it. They're missing thirty fucking minutes of content. You could be getting that content for a dollar. Yeah, I think. Jeremy, give it to them. I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna figure out how to put that Patreon together tonight, and uh, hopefully by the time this episode's up, we'll we'll be able to promote it and let people know. But I was thinking that you know, like a dollar a month, you get the whole unedited episode show, and people who don't support us on Patreon don't get it. And uh, that might be something to throw out there. But, you know, that being said, uh, yeah, Bobby, thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to, you know, get up here and ask for money. But when we started this show, I was making a lot more money than I'm making right now. And it would be helpful. Um, We're not threatening to close the show down or anything. But, um, yeah, if if we get, uh, get some funds coming in to help just support, you know, some of the hosting or the website costs and maybe do a little advertising, I would be over the fucking moon. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and I want that to go to Jeremy, folks. I really do. Not not to me. Um I want to go to the podcast. That's what it's going to, man. That's 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 where it's at. So uh again I'll I'll pitch in a shirt, uh, books, eight by tens or whatever. So um yeah. Uh, and again we're not here fucking begging. You're not gonna hear a commercial every fucking thirty seconds to six minutes of our podcast, but you're gonna have a good solid podcast and some entertainment for your time while you're listening to the uh, Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. so
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Bobby, before we get started on the topic this week, I understand you had a little something you wanted to share with us.
1: Yeah, you know what I've got to share with you is this, man. That's, you are playing a Fuck, Marry, Kill game? Well, I'm going to tell you what. I don't, have you ever played it?
0: I have played it.
1: Okay, well, I haven't played it for a while. I don't know who you like to fuck, marry, or kill, but I've got some people I like to fuck, marry, and kill, okay? I've got some Special edition of the fuck marry kill game today is dedicated to the fucking serial killers, and I'm not talking about fucking people that killed a bowl of Captain Crunch or a box of tricks, motherfuckers. I'm talking about real life fucking serial killers of who Bobby Blade would fuck, marry, and kill. And let me say right off the bat, eliminated out of my fucking three people that I'd fuck, marry, or kill is Ayn Warnos from down there in Florida, that fucking psycho bitch that's fucking killing Johns on the side of the road down there in Florida, because I was down there in her heyday, living in Florida, the time of, uh, when she was out there killing motherfuckers, and I was out there cruising those fucking streets. Hey, by the way, shout out to all you girls in Orlando, down on the OBT, that's in Orlando, that's uh, the uh, Orange Blossom Trail, I hope you girls uh, are off the streets by now, You'd be a little bit older. Also down in Tampa Town, and that's a mighty fine place to be. They got green grass, they got high tides, and it sure looks good to me. All you girls walking out there on Florida, Nebraska, be careful out there. You tell me your town, and I just about can guarantee you, I can tell you where the fucking block districts at, because I have probably visited. But let's just get rid of um, uh, Eileen Warnos right now, because I ain't fucking marrying or killing that psycho bitch and thankfully she's already fucking dead so with that said you got anything to add before i go to my fuck marry kill list
0: jeremy no i, I am uh, <laughs> i am enthralled i i have to hear what's coming here well here's what's coming
1: so you know the game is fuck marry or kill and i've thought about this man in my fucking crazy brain and i'm here to entertain and that's this who would i fuck richard ramirez the night stalker Oh, yeah, that motherfucker, he had that long pussy-looking hair, those dark brown eyes. Guys, everyone that knows me knows I love brown eyes. If I was in a cell, I'd fuck Richard Ramirez. I'd fuck him till his brown eyes popped out of his head and he is fucking dead and thankful he is. So there's my fuck. Uh, to the Night nice Stalker, and by no way am I condoning fucking serial killing, okay, or serial killers, and I don't encourage you to become a fucking serial killer in your hometown. I'm just saying I'd fuck Richard Ramirez. With that said, who would I marry? Well, I'd marry Ted Bundy because he liked porn and he liked co-eds. I like porn. I like co-eds. Above 18, just so you know, um, but I'd end up killing that motherfucker, too, so fuck you, Ted Bundy, you're fucking dead, you said you found religion at the end, well, fuck you, I hope wherever the fuck you're at, you're watching on a porn, you want to fucking watch and get butt-fucked like a motherfucker, so I'd probably marry you, but fuck you, Ted Bundy. Next, and it's probably no secret where I'm going with this. I would kill. So I'm fucking Richard Ramirez, the nice stalker. I'm marrying Ted fucking Bundy. But I'm going to fucking kill that goddamn John Wayne Gacy because he was a fucking clown, for fuck's sake. Oh my he was God. a fucking clown. And I am the anti-mime. I'm Bobby, the fucking anti-mime blaze. And a fucking mime. I'm not locked in that box. And if I had a chance, John Wayne Gacy, I'd have fucking killed you a long time ago. With that said, that's my game of fuck, marry, kill, so fuck you, Richard Ramirez. Fuck you, Ted Bundy. Fuck you, John Wayne Gacy. I'm glad you cocksuckers are fucking dead and fuck a fucking serial killer up the fucking fucking ass and I hope you're fucking rotting below the fucking pits of hell. Ooh, goddamn! there's my rant. Can we please get to our top ten? Yeah,
0: with uh, with that being <laughs> said,
1: and I hope the fuck you people are entertained. Do not go out. And kill, do not go out and kill anyone, please. Don't kill others. As we said from episode one, if everyone loved each other, the world would be a better place. And so thank you for dealing with my rant right there. Oh, I think I'm done, Jeremy. Yeah, but what's uh, the top
0: ten? All right. That was quite the list. <laughs> um, that's, we're going to do now, <laughs> if I can stop chuckling over here, top ten wrestlers never hold a major title. So that is our goal here. Now, Bobby, let's talk real quick about our, our what we consider to be a major title. I know we've done this before. Yes. But for the most part, we're talking WWWF slash WWF slash WWE, NWA, or during its heyday, AWA. Are there any other titles in there that we are going to consider as a world title for this? Having
1: spoken off the air a bit, we, we decided not to, that we're going to still keep it with those three major titles. Uh, that's that's well-known throughout the world of professional wrestling. So, yes, that's where we're going with it. Um, I know there's a couple of people on this list that held different versions of, quote, world titles. But we're going old school, uh, run it through WWF through E, uh, NWA through WSUW, WC slash WCW, whatever you, through AWA. During those heyday periods, those are the three that we considered that we took these ten. We had a we had probably about fourteen or fifteen guys this time, uh, maybe maybe a couple more, a couple less. I can't remember, but we eliminated it down to these ten guys that we felt like should have been or could have been the world heavyweight champion in any one or all three of those organizations that we're recognizing as, quote, world champions. So the greatest of all time, 10 non-champions that could have been champions.
0: Or should have
1: been. Or could have been. Should have been, could have been. How are we wording that? Should have been,
0: I guess. Either way, yeah. Either way,
1: okay. So, um,
0: Mr. Franchise, would you like to open us up with number 10? Yes, I would. Number 10 is the franchise Shane Douglas. Oh, here is a guy I don't understand how he could get so over in ECW, yet not anywhere else. He could do a promo. He looked tough in the ring. I just, I don't know. You know, I know they put the uh, IC title on him in the WWF, but it was kind of a joke character that he was playing, too. So, it kind of, you know, one thing kind of washes away the other. But, man, he was hotter than shit in ECW. And I know
1: that we debated upon him because of the the NWA title deal. Shane should have been, if he wasn't, depending on how you count it, we was like, how are we going to count this or not count this? First of all, I have nothing but love and respect for Shane Douglas. I just spoke to him a couple weeks ago. And the thing about Shane in the ring, again, he had a really good body, had had a good look to to him, Uh, great speaker, and a tremendous, tremendous fucking worker and wrestler. Um, and I hate that he's number 10 because he could have been higher up on our list, but we was kind of going with, um, you know, that thing of we were debating upon whether or not with the ECW and the NWA type run right there. So we, we was like, he should have been like an NWA uh, world heavyweight champion at one point. And so it's all due respect uh, to Shane Douglas coming in at number 10. We give it to him because um I'm going to tell you what, I saw two of Shane Douglas' earlier matches when I was first breaking into the business, and they was both in Huntington, West Virginia. One I was against someone we're going to speak about here later on um that I won't mention, and it was a very, very good match. But the second one was a really tremendous match, one of the earliest tremendous matches I saw in my early career when I was first breaking in was Shane Douglas against Barry Windham, and it was at the Huntington uh, Civic Coliseum there. And I it, man, it might have been like first, second, third match, something like that. But it was it was Shane Douglas and 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 he was early in his career, man, and it was and it was Barry Windham and they just fucking had a hell of a match and I was like I sit there marking out and of course I still was marked because I was still green. I'm I'm still a fucking mark. Who am I trying to fucking tease and please? But here's the thing, Shane Douglas, number ten of uh should have been or could have been the world heavyweight champion in one of those three organizations at any given time. So all due respect and hats off to you, Shane Douglas. Let's go to number nine.
0: All right. Number nine would be Dr. Death Steve Williams.
1: Oh, fuck.
0: What did we talk about
1: off the air? Tell me.
0: Well, he's a legit tough guy. I mean, like a a legit tough guy. Uh, You know when he hit somebody, it looked like he hit somebody. He was a a collegiate football player and wrestler at the University of Oklahoma. Um, He was a little iffy, too, because he did hold the original UWF title. Yes. But that's not, not really a world title.
1: We, we, we had debated that and, and, and I respect what you're saying. And, and I guess the main thing about that is, is like you saw, but when he hit a motherfucker, eyeballs rolled back in the back oh, of their yeah. head. So yeah, he could have been a world heavyweight champion at any fucking. Uh, major league out there. I know he's huge over Japan, you know, a lot of tag teams and and uh, things like that. So he could have had any title uh, given um, who he was, where he came from, and and again, to no disrespect to the UWF or or we're gonna get into probably what WFCCW maybe or WAA, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. my point is, uh, when we get into some of those titles, we're not trying to disrespect those. We're just saying. These guys, like Dr. Death, he could have, like I said about Shane, Steve Williams could have been a major title holder for the AWA, the NWA, or even the World Wrestling Federation or or World Wrestling Entertainment, as it may be. So, yeah, that's a good choice for number nine. Who would you have with number eight?
0: Number eight, we've got Bam Bam Bigelow.
1: Oh, man, what a great choice.
0: How do you even, I mean... Very few people of his size and strength were as agile as he was. Nobody looked as fucking frightening as he did. Yeah. Um. And is uh, to through my research, I couldn't find any point where he carried a major title.
1: Yeah, yeah. you know, he worked a lot of places, and I'm gonna tell. Here's someone the here's your good backstage story that's a straight shoot okay Mm -hmm. now I said a lot of s's there so however that comes across on our podcast you're you're speaking with someone that took speech lessons for years because I used to stutter and could not speak but with that said Bam Bam Bigelow here's your behind the scene behind the curtain look Bam Bam Bigelow is one of the reasons I'm in professional wrestling because I was a school teacher for about three years, and I saw Sports Illustrated, and it had a special little little article about the Monster Factory up in New Jersey. So there's your plug to the Monster Factory. And it had Larry Sharp standing behind Bam Bam Bigelow, and there he was with that fireball tattoo on his head. And it was a number, it was a 904 number to New Jersey. And I wrote that number down and called the Monster Factory. It's because I wanted to be a professional wrestler when I grew up, as you all know. And at this time, I'm in my early 20s. I've been training. I, ha- I hadn't went to Malenko's yet. I-, I hadn't met anyone in the wrestling business that would was willing to train me, which eventually I did. But I called that number and I went to the Monster Factory in New Jersey. I went up there. I met Larry Sharp. I met Charlie Fulton. Uh, I got a ring. as the first time I was in a ring, legitimately in the ring. And it was all because I saw that ad, it wasn't even an ad, it was a little article about Larry Sharp and Bam Bang Bigelow uh, training at the Monster Factory. And at that point, it's probably two or three weeks into his career or whatever, and he was already getting over. Uh, and eventually, I met Bam Bam, and we got to hang out together. And years later, we was in a hotel room in Pittsburgh, and, and he and I got real close later on in WCW. I rode around a lot with Bam Bam and my point of my story is this we was in a hotel room one night in Pittsburgh and we sit around talking this bullshit having a couple beers, whatever think he was drinking a little bit of wine maybe I know I was drinking some beer point is, I told him about that and I thanked him And he said, I hadn't been to WCW yet. And he was like, man, he said, you need to be somewhere. I saw you work tonight. I'm not just putting you over Bobby, blah, blah, blah. And it made me feel good because there's a person that I felt was somewhat responsible for me getting into professional wrestling. Of course, needless to say, I did not go to, I did not choose going to the Monster Factory and went to Malenko's. But because of that conversation, I was already in WCW, and, and he had finished up. I know he'd done the big deal with uh, Lars Taylor and went on CNN and retired and all that. But when he came to WCW, he remembered me. And we, we travel together sometimes out of Pittsburgh and Charlotte, depending on our USA flights, uh, US air flights, rather. So I always remember Bam Bam. And I think, like you said, the agility and the size and the strength and the the shit that he could put together, man. I think he's a legitimate badass too. He could have carried the world heavyweight title again for the AWA, the NWA, or the WWE. So, uh, hats off to, the fireball headed big Bam Bam Bigelow. Scott Bigelow, rest in peace, man. You could have been a champion. You were a champion in my eyes, brother.
0: Yeah. So yeah, let's yeah. go
1: on, man. Little, little story behind the scenes. That's all.
0: No, it was a cool story. Uh, the next one here, let's see. Oh, got it. Lost track of the numbers. Number seven, seven. We have the we have the big cat, Ernie Ladd. Yes. Man. I don't know. Do, do people remember the AFL? I hope
1: they do after uh, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he played for, uh, what a tremendous athlete. And that's kind of when we started talking about some of these guys that that end up not having a championship. Uh, he was one of those guys that was championing where he went anyway. He meant business. Ernie Ladd meant business. And he drew big business wherever he went, wherever he went, rather. But, you know, he was at Grambling. is it, uh, university, I guess, and the, uh, he was down there playing basketball, maybe, and a football coach saw him and said, you know, be out on the field tomorrow, and he was there for a basketball scholarship, and then so he ends up going into the uh, AFC, like you said, does anyone remember the AFC? He played fucking professional football, and then back in those days, those guys that have these big contracts, and, and they did stuff in the offseason from driving a truck to uh, selling cars to, to delivering whiskey or whatever. I know Art Donovan that played for the Colts done that. But um, Ernie Ladd, you know, I guess he started wrestling some in the off season, and next thing you know, he's a huge fucking wrestling star, and he could, he was a star, and he was a champion. Um, he carried titles and and things like that from territory to territory and working, and to be as big and as strong and as agile, he was the the big cat man, Ernie Ladd, and he could talk, had a good body. I know his knees gave out eventually, but. But don't they on all of us? No matter you wrestle or play football, eventually your fucking knees are shot anyway. But nonetheless, man, the guy had a great mind. I heard he done great business everywhere we went. Dean Malenko told me, and this is no lie, I'll never will forget this story. Of all the people Dean got to meet growing up, Dean told me one time, and this has been years ago, folks, but Dean and I was sitting around talking, bullshitting around. And he said, I don't know where he said, Bobby, he said, you know who one of the nicest guys to me when I was a young boy was? That was always so nice to me. And it was Ernie Land. And so uh, I never forgot that I never got the uh, privilege of meeting Ernie Land. I've heard, I never heard anything bad about him because I, you know, He's a little bit before my time, obviously. Uh, I was a fan of his work. I I loved when he was uh, eventually show up on TBS and then he angled up Jay Strombo and shoved the feathers in his mouth and and all that. But I never forget what Dean told me. He said he was sitting there with ice packs on his knees after a match and he was in pain and he was still taking the time to be nice to a young. Dean wasn't even in the business then. He was just a young kid there to match it with his dad. And so to me, that leaves an impression on me that outside the ring, Ernie must have been well a hell of a champion as well. If you took the time to to hang out and talk to a young kid, be kind to him, you know. So uh, hats off, Ernie Lad, man. You could have been a champion anywhere you went.
0: Yeah, that's. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of what he had done, but every story you hear about him, it's amazing. Like just the level of paying attention to his own business. You know, coming out, walking around in the rain, walking yeah, out of the I like building. That. Yeah, um, like that. Yeah, just they're always great stories. Or you know, him picking on guys like King Kong Bundy when they weren't kind of holding their shit together. Yeah, just sounded like an amazing man. His career does speak for itself, but again, not a major title and lots of titles. But none of right. the ones we're we're considering that he could have qualified for. Right. Yeah, so that's, uh, number seven was Big Cat, Ernie Ladd. Number six is Ted Debussy. I'm sorry. (laughs) Ted Ted DiBiase. Sorry about that, everybody. Ted
1: DiBiase, the million-dollar man. And before anyone says he was the champion, tell him what we debated upon, Jeremy, as to why we put him at number six.
0: Well, so, yeah, he held some minor titles. He bought the WWF title off Andre the Giant, but if you don't win the title, you're not the champion. And the million-dollar title don't count. Right. Yeah. So
1: that's what we went with. There was talks, I guess, of uh, Ted becoming a future NWA champion. I've heard Terry Funk uh, and Ric Flair both say that Ted was, you know, probably a mine for it. Would have been a great – excuse me, there goes those us again. But Ted would have been a great NWA champion when it traveled with the NWA uh, territory. But, again, we went with, hey, you know, he's the million-dollar champion maybe. But he, but he bought the title, so we didn't, we didn't consider him having a major title uh, in the world of the uh, NWA, AWA, or WWF at that time. I guess it was when it was all cartoonish back then, and uh, it's a good angle. And yeah. and yeah, he was champion that way, but not 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 the uh, the champion per se. No. So let's move one and go to number five. That we both kind of was like, who? How do we put this guy at number five? Man, he's a tremendous talent. And All I'll right. let you announce him. We'll so, go from there. So
0: before we get too far down this list here, I want to yeah. say that it was hard to put these next five people in order.
1: Right, that's where I was going. With that thank you. Yeah, yeah.
0: It was it was not an easy. It was not an easy task to figure out where you put these guys. So, before we get started, I just want to say that Bobby and I probably could have spent the next six weeks trying to go, Well, fuck, how about this guy should be two and this one should be, (laughs) you know. So, we didn't do that. We went with the way the dice fell. And number five would be the enforcer, double A, Arn Anderson one of the baddest motherfuckers to ever walk through a ring and a guy who for some reason looked like he was 45 when he was 22 and <laughs> looks like he's 45 now that he's in his 60s. <laughs> yeah,
1: nothing but respect for Arn Anderson and, and, and to be a little bit redundant, these next five were like tough to decide. But Arn, you know, of course is the enforcer. He was known as a tag team specialist, of course, throughout his uh, career double A. But you know, Arn. Uh, what I wanted to mention about Arn was first of all, he's a tremendous wrestler legitimate tough guy, we won't even go into that um, and he he he, to me, one time come to me and said, Bobby, pull your trunks up just a little bit higher. Take it from someone that had a gut during his career. Where And so I was like, you know, he, his honesty. When I worked, for, he was my agent at one time in WCW. And um, I appreciate his honesty because he told me several things. One was I, was I was getting some tea and he was getting some coffee, he walked up and mumbled real quietly, uh, uh, Bobby, don't give him a reason to let you go. Don't say no. And so I never said no to doing, you know, a job or putting someone over or whatever. Uh, I, had done whatever I was asked to do. But my point about that story was I never thought Arn had a gut. He had said, take him some guy had a gut his whole career. I always thought Arn had a big, solid, strong body. So I never took it like he had a gut. He was just telling me that because Bobby Blaze was getting a fucking gut. Okay. <laughs> so he was smarting me up to like, you know, don't give him a reason to fucking fire you a lot of shit was going on at that time. And eventually we'll talk about WCW like we talked about, but Arn, he had a really good body. He had that solid, big fucking powerlifting legs, big, strong, uh, chest, neck, shoulders. So he had that great look, tremendous wrestler worker. as we talked about, but as we spoke about last week with the horseman, Arn could talk his interview skills. And he didn't, unlike me, He didn't waste words. He said things, and he meant things. And he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. So number five, the double-A, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, could have been, if chosen to be, the world's heavyweight champion for any major organization.
0: Yeah, I think one time, I'd have to scratch my head a little harder to remember, but it was either on the 605 podcast or maybe the Jim Cornette they were talking about how arn anderson if he had been 10 years if he, his career had been 10 years earlier he would could have been a great territorial world champion cuz he Oh, I he, imagine, he looked, yeah. Yeah, he looked legit. I mean, he, you know. And uh you know, fortunately when his career was cut short it was a back injury and not an early death. So we still got arn out there in the wrestling business doing important work in the wrestling yeah. business. Um, but, yeah, he he would have looked really cool. I, I bet you they could have used him as a transitional champion, though. That's yeah. probably what they would have done. And uh, somebody would always pointed out he wasn't really from Minnesota.
1: Yeah. Let me point this out, too, what <laughs> just I said about him working. Yeah, we know he wasn't really an Anderson, but that's beside the point. It's all yeah. work. Um, with that said, I would imagine with his current position and my dealing with him for almost three years, I would imagine he's a tremendous backstage producer because of his insight and because of his honesty and his integrity that he carries and he can look at you. And he could drop those glasses down and say to you, Jeremy, here's what I need you to do. Or this is what I'd like you to do better. Or you need more of this or less of this. And I don't know how it works up there, but I'm glad he's still involved in the wrestling industry. And I'm glad he's still involved as being a producer, an agent, and helping some young talent out there. Cause I have nothing but respect for Arn. And I, and I hope that he's enjoying that position that he's in. And I'm glad he's still in the world of professional wrestling, uh, being employed. So that, that's really cool, man. Really cool.
0: Yeah, I will always be a big fan of his. I do remember they put him up against the Giant for the WCW title, and I was literally, I had my fingers crossed. (laughs) Just like, come on, just fucking do it. You know, oh, you suck. You know, yeah, but yeah, I was literally, literally sitting there with my fingers crossed waiting. And for
1: that's me. good, man, because that's why we're fans, folks, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Because Jeremy had his fingers crossed, hoping Arn would win against the Giant, you know. And that's our suspension of disbelief, or suspension of belief to disbelief to believe, because we're wrestling fans, and we want to see our heroes, whether they're good guys, bad guys. I don't like all these in betweeners are out there. I like either good guys, bad guys. Okay, call it what it is, heels and baby faces, or what have you. You're gonna like who you like, but when you like that, you're suspended. Your belief is suspended. Man, I, how good would a fucking magician be wearing a fucking tank top, right? You know what I'm saying? He he wouldn't be a very fucking good magician if he always walked around a fucking tank top. So I don't want to know sometimes who's going to win, who's going to lose. 99% of the time, I don't want to win because uh, know who's going to win because I want to be a fan. I want to be like Jeremy and keep my fingers crossed that, you know what, this is the one time that Arn Anderson beats the giant and become the champion. So that's what professional wrestling, to me, it could call it sports entertainment if you want,
0: but that's just No, no, I got to stop professional you. Do, do not call it sports entertainment. No, I, do, I know, I know. I don't want to hear those Kick words come ass. out. I never want to hear those words come out of your mouth again. Where did you pick that kind of language up at? Fucking grade school. Where else? I heard oh, some kids talking the other well, day. We're going to put you in private school then. <laughs> well, you'll get what you pay for if you put me in private school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I'll be here all week. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, well, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so that, like that was number, number four, man. Yep, so R number, number five, or four. four.
0: Number four is probably the guy on this list who caught my attention first when he first got to the WWF, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. The guy could quote a Prince song and send chills down your fucking spine. And. He was just incredible to watch in the ring, but more importantly, he was good in the ring and good on the mic. And it sounds like he was kind of fucked up most of the time, and he was still hitting the hits.
1: <laughs> oh man, the stories I could tell, but I won't.
0: What? Well, why, why <laughs> I was in
1: Australia. I was in Australia with Jake Roberts <clears throat> on a tour bus several times or several nights, uh, whatever. But no, um, when Jake showed up. In a WWF, currently WWE, call it what you want. Man, his interview skill, his ring psychology was unfucking real. I never will forget his music was playing over in Australia. This, of course, a little bit after his uh, WWF at the time run. And that music, and I was thinking, when is he going to go out? When is he going to go out? And he has turned to me. I just kid, you know. I was going to watch the matches just like everyone else. You know, I was in the locker room, but I was going to walk out and watch him. He said, "You gotta tease before you please." And he let that music build up, and then that strut and that walk to the ring. So yeah, Jake just had that presence. Uh, yeah, did he have a great body? Not the greatest body, but he covered it up really good. His ring work was fucking excellent. Was he a wrestler? No, but he fucking was a worker and a business of the fucking work. But then his talk, his interview, his style, his deliverance. And his presence and psychology of the match, Jake could have been, if he, we, we got him listed at four, but again, these top five could have went either way uh, with who's who, but Jake comes in at number four, and, and we, Jake could have been a world champion at any organization in the world had they given him that title or wanted him to be the champion. Jake is worthy of being, you know, WWF, if nothing else. I'm sure AWA, maybe before uh, NWA at one time for certain, but definitely during that WWF run, he was just one of them guys that didn't really need to put a title on, I guess, because of his psychology and and the gimmick and, and what have you. But Jake could have been the champion.
0: Yeah, and maybe maybe you remember differently than me, but I could swear I've heard stories from people probably talking out of school and saying shit they shouldn't. But they were gonna do a Jake Roberts Hulk Hogan program, but yeah. the problem was the audience started booing and cheering the wrong side, and so they kind of went, oh, let's uh, let's move back from that because Jake Jake just oozed a, charism- a charisma. Mm-hmm. that usually a heel didn't get in, in New, you know, the New Yorker. I, I
1: think on the Choose Your Poison DVD, Jake comes out, and there was a couple of times he talks about, um, three, three times, once was at WCW, but the times uh, with a contract, but bad timing was um, he was going to do a run with Hogan. Also, the night, I guess, that Warrior maybe held him up for some money or something, and that was going to be his next program was, I, again, I could be speaking out of school, but I think you're set up there. He was going to do something with Warrior to eventually set up the Hogan deal or whatever it was, whatever that's around that time period. I'm pretty sure you're correct in stating that at one time he was just getting over so much. And because of the timing, um, it just never happened. But I know from what one of the Choose Your Poison DVD. Uh, Jake Roberts set uh, box set or what do you call them fucking things nowadays? I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he mentioned that several times that that he could have been chosen to be the uh, the world champion. So nothing but respect for Jake. He was always good to me. Uh, I enjoyed hanging out with him. Um, you know, some people you just, you don't want to hang out with or whatever. But, um, I had a short, brief time with him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling as well when he came in. He was only there for a couple weeks, but, but I, uh, I, I, escorted him out to the ring as Kendo the Samurai, which may or may not be known. It's no big fucking secret now. It's 25 years later. But anyway, um, Jake, uh, and we all battle our demons. We know that. But I think at one point Jake was discussed as being, as you said, D, uh, world heavyweight champion for the WWF and it just didn't pan out the way it should have because he was one of them guys that probably didn't need the title to get over. He was already fucking over.
0: Yeah, and you, you don't put yeah, especially back in those days, you didn't use the title on a guy who didn't need it. <laughs> you know, Yeah. If he'll, he's yeah. drawing money without it. Don't put it on him. Right. right. Bobby, you know, I just look I just I just glance at the clock. We're gonna to have to speed up a tiny bit because we only got a few minutes left here. I know,
1: I know. And um,
0: yeah, I didn't expect that to happen. So we're gonna to go to number three, which is Hot Rod Rowdy Roddy Piper.
1: Yes. Well, I think we go with Piper. The, the whole thing with him is he drew, he drew wherever he went. He had those uh, couple of WrestleManias there, and again, the to again to kind of speed it up with with Piper, he was one of them guys that didn't actually need a title to get over Piper was over and remember this if there's no Roddy Piper there's no fucking Hulk Hogan and you know you go back to the Iron Sheik or whatever but there's no WrestleManias there's no mm-hmm. fucking he's you, for every fucking heel there's a baby face and for every baby face there's a heel man and for Hulk Hogan you, you you bypass the Sheik not to disrespect the Iron Sheik I'm just saying during that transition then you got Hulk Hogan but Hulk Hogan needs someone and that someone was Rowdy, Roddy Piper, Hot Rod himself. And I did have the privilege of wrestling him. I wrestled him. Uh, it's, it's somewhere out there on YouTube, I'm sure. Uh, but every time I was around him, complete gentleman, complete professional. I was also around him in Vancouver. He was up there shooting uh episode of Viper. I was there for EA Sports, shooting a uh, Mayhem uh, sports action video for EA Sports. And he bought around for the table, even though he did not make it back in time to enjoy a drink with us, he had left the notice that, hey, when these boys come in, there's four of us, that he left a message by these boys around on Roddy Piper. So first-class act, but, yeah, he was one of the guys that um, he didn't need a title to get over. He was already fucking over. Yeah,
0: and just as a real quick aside, I interviewed the um, publisher and owner of a comic book company called Alterna Comics last year the year before. And he made a comic book called The Chair. Rowdy Roddy Piper's last movie that was released posthumously is The Chair. And mm. this guy was a Roddy Piper fan, and he was just over the moon that that's who would start in that movie. Wow. So Cool stuff, one. man. Yeah, that was really awesome. Um, all right, so number two is actually one of my favorites. I, uh, Bobby, I don't know if you picked it up yet. I like heel characters. Yes, especially, you do. Especially cocky, shitty, smug heel characters. And Ravishing Rick Rude comes in at number two.
1: And with that said, you know, here's the thing. I'm going to let you you talk about him as much or as little as you want, because I agree he could have been in his wallet, one, two, three, four, five. But Rick Rude was one of those guys, he was just legit badass motherfucker. Had that great look, had that great talk, had that smug, you know, don't fuck with me attitude. I'm Rick Rude, you're not kind of thing, and yeah. so don't want that. I well, agree. He could have been a champion, and you tell me your reason why you put him here because we discussed this off air.
0: Well, I agree so with you though. There, there's a couple reasons. I mean, he he held the WCWA title when World Class became WCWA. Um, I don't consider that. To be a real world title, uh, it was the their United States Championship or American Championship that they elevated to a world title, and he could also be considered a world champion because he held the WCW International title, which again was kind of a bogus title. They had to figure out how to replace the NWA title, so they made a twin of the big old belt and ran with that. Rick Rude was a guy whose career was cut short by an injury, but as I have heard stories from people. The guy knew what he was doing in the ring, he knew how to get heat out of the crowd, but also, apparently, you didn't fuck with Rick Rude. That is what I've heard.
1: (laughs) Well, I know that for a fact, because when he was in Florida Championship Wrestling, I had a friend of mine tell me, while he was training, he thought he was tough. And he had went down to the CWF Championship Wrestling for the tapings. And he was acting like a badass. And he was going to meet him outside and this and that. And this is a goof. And he never went anywhere in a fucking business and this and that. And he walked up and he was like, apparently had been harassing Rude, uh, Rick Rude during the tapings. And anyway, he was like, uh, saw him in a parking lot. And so the guy, you talk about get your fucking bones chilled. I know uh, Rick Rude was tough outside of ring, but my buddy i won't say my buddy uh, a person i was training with saw him in a parking lot was still harassing him the guy got up in rick rude's face i give the guy credit he got up in his face but you know what shut him down rick rude this is what the guy told me and this is a grown man telling me this he said rick rude looked at him and said have you ever been called a cunt and he said this guy's about six two about two thirty at the time He said, I felt like a fucking pussy. And when he asked me, did I feel like a cunt? He said, I melted. I felt like a fucking cunt. He said, no, sir. I turned around (laughs) and walked away with my tail between my legs. And this guy wasn't a tough guy. He was wanting to be a wrestler again. He never made it. He didn't finish training. But he hung around all the matches when I was down in Florida. But can you imagine approaching Rick Rude and then that guy saying to you, have you ever been called a cunt? And that guy said, no, sir. And he fucking melted, wilted, walked the fuck away. Don't fuck with Rick Rude. So, yeah, um Rick Rude, he could have been the world's heavyweight champion had he decided to put a title on him. So all due respect and rest in peace, Mr. Rick Rude. What a tough motherfucker.
0: <laughs> I, heard, I, I heard he could open hand slap a man and knock him to the ground.
1: Yeah. I've heard so many stories. That yeah. one there was first well actually secondhand from the guy that actually got caught a fucking cunt by so. Rick Rude. And so uh maybe he'll call uh Sarah Sanders a cunt, but he's but anyway he's passed away. Uh right. that's beside the point. Uh donate some fucking money so we can buy her a fucking happy meal. <laughs> uh because Rick Rude apparently can't slap that fucking smirk off her fucking face. But if we all donate some money to the fucking GoFund or Crowdfund me, uh Care of Jeremy over there at the Geekish Cast, the bottom line is maybe we'll fucking uh, make her go away with a fucking Happy Meal. I don't know. But anyway, let's get to number one, okay? I'm trying to full circle our interview here.
0: Yep, no problem. And real quick, going into number one, I'm going to say that number one is brought to you by Bobby's Books, Pin Me, Pay Me. And I kicked out onto The Education of a Wrestler, which you can go to tinyurl.com slash blazebook1 or tinyurl.com slash blazebook2, respectively, to get to my Amazon affiliate page where you can buy them. Bobby gets a little money for having written them. I get a little money as an affiliate. So with that being said, Bobby's Books are sponsoring the number one position today. And number one is Wahoo McDaniels. Amen. Chief Wahoo McDaniel. Chief Wahoo McDaniel. That's um, right. Yeah, a legit Native American wrestler. He was Chick uh, Chicksaw and Choctaw, I believe, from Oklahoma. A yep. legit uh, collegiate uh, and professional football player, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yes, played for the Jets. Who's on that tackle? Wahoo. Who made that tackle? Wahoo. He was the only one, according to Ric Flair's interviews and books and stuff, that had Wahoo on the back of his fucking jersey back, I guess we go back to that uh, AFL, Jeremy, if I'm not mistaken. But he was one of those guys that wrestled the off offseason uh, and started making more money as a fucking professional wrestler than he did as a professional football player back in the day. And also, we chose him because one reason, or many reasons, I guess, he was a legitimate athlete. He was a fisherman. He was a golfer. He he was a hunter. He 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 could do it all. He he ran. He played football. He he again. He, you know. And what a what a great p- fucking professional wrestler. A legitimate tough guy too. So, uh, yes,
0: sportsman is really what you'd have to sportsman,
1: call him. Yes, yeah, he could be the fucking a uh, Sports Illustrated, Sportsman of the Year, he could be the top ten champions that never held a major title because he could draw anywhere he went, and he was the chief. He was Chief Wahoo McDaniels. So our fucking uh, feathers and caps and hats off to the number one on our list of the top ten greatest of all time to never hold a major title is Wahoo McDaniels.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, I still wear my I Broke Wahoo's leg shirt around she places. You told me
1: that, yes. Yeah,
0: and I'll I'll go into places, and, and uh, people are, well, who's Wahoo? And then I, you know, I go, you don't know who fucking Wahoo McDaniel is. You, you know, ought to then, slap him. Yeah, then I go, Stop I'll him. just tell him a story, you know, Wahoo was this, and Greg Valentine, you know, quote unquote broke his leg, and, and here's the shirt as proof, you know. And uh, I mean, it, I wore it in Canada one day, and I was talking to somebody, and she was "Oh, would Wahoo have ever re- uh, wrestled with Baron von Raschke?" And I'm like, "I'm pretty sure. I, yeah. I would think." <laughs> you know, well,
1: he wrestled everyone, he beat everyone, and yeah. closed out the show. I'm gonna say real quickly, and I'll let you do. The, I'll let you do the closing. I had the honors of wrestling Wahoo McDaniel, and as a straight shoot, I wrestled him outside of Charleston, West Virginia, in a place called Saint Albans, in West Virginia. Um, that's not West by God, Virginia. Fuck you. We're over here in L.A. Lower Ashland recording today's podcast. And that's this. I wrestled Wahoo McDaniel. I wasn't a world champion. He was, or he should have been, as we're doing our podcast. The first thing we'd done, because I was nervous. I was scared. We did not talk before the match. And that's a straight shoot, folks. That's the way it was done back in the day. We locked up, and he pushed me to a corner, and he said, I heard Boris Malenko trained you. <laughs> and I was fucking thinking he's going to take my fucking head off. So we worked. And we worked. That's all he said. And we worked the rest of the fucking match. Finally, I knew the finish, and that is the finish was this. He was going to do a couple of fucking chops. I'm going to take a fucking bump. I'm putting him over. I know him there for. We had not said anything in the ring. Did not call any spots. We worked. The only thing he had said to me at this point was, I heard Boris Malenko trained you as he pushed me in that corner from the opening spot. Then I took a couple chops, boom, boom, boom. Fifteen minutes later, he's pinning me, and he says to me, "Thank you. By the way, kid, if you want to get booked, don't tell don't tell others that Boris Malenko trained you. (laughs) Don't stretch you." (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> They'll stretch you. And so, anyway, I put him over, blah, blah, blah. The the referee come back, thanked me, that Wahoo thanked me. Afterwards, I had a chance to speak with him, and he was like, kid, if you ever want to get booked, he said, tell everyone at fucking Boris Malenko trained you because he was a great fucking talent. And, and thank you for such a good match. It was so easy out there, Bobby. Thank you very much. And, um, and I know we'll forget that from Chief Wahoo McDaniel that I'm thinking this guy's a fucking living legend, which he was. And he is in my eyes, a legend an icon in professional wrestling. And he should have been a champion of any major organization in the world. If he wanted to be for the AWA, the NWA or the WWF to the WWE, Chief Wahoo McDaniel. I take off my fucking cap, my hat, my feathers, my heart to you, brother. Thanks for not stretching me six ways a Sunday. Thank you for letting me put you over in the middle of the ring as a professional wrestler and being a part of this great fraternity, this great brotherhood of professional wrestling. With that, Jeremy, thank you for letting me be a part of this podcast, the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast. And I'm going to finish it up by saying, Jeremy, it's back to you, brother. I hope the fans enjoyed our list.
0: Yeah, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this list. If you've got an, a, a list or a couple of lists that you'd like to see us tackle, topics you'd like to see us get to, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, Bobby, what's yours again? It's at uh, BobbyBlaze744. Bobby Blaze, okay, or you can hit our combined account at bell to Bell Blaze, or you can always reach out to me at TheGeekishCast. Geekish Cast. more than happy to hear what you guys would like to hear from us and kick it around and see what we can do to make you happy. Uh, We do have some big things planned coming up. We may start bringing in occasional other people to help us with these lists or storytellings. So with that being said, Bobby, thank you for joining me again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I do like recording this show with you. I hope we have a very successful and fruitful future in this show. Things are going pretty well so far. And with that, bye-bye, everybody.